right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety. Thank you all so much for joining me for uh, joining me for the episode today. Um, for those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast. Go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can uh, submit a question there. Um, and uh, you can also go to Instagram and you can send me an audio question. Um, just uh, send me a direct message, click on the little microphone button in the um, chat box, text box. Uh, record your question there. That's pretty much the easiest way to do it. You can send me, uh, you can record it on your phone and email it to me over questions at fearcastpodcast.com. I may change that email address just to make things easier easier. Um, but, um, but either way, there, there, there are tons of ways to get me questions. Um, today, I'm going to be going over a text question. Now, I have an audio question in my pocket, but I'm not going to do it today. I know I say I'm going to try to get it up and it's going to bypass everything else. Today, I'm not because I'm trying to get a guest speaker on to, t- to speak more to that specific question. And I'm going to try, hopefully line them up for next week. So, to, um, to the person who sent me my audio question or the audio question uh, this week, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, f- uh, I'll, I'll put a little teaser on it. It's going to be about EMDR, so think about that. All right. So thank you all again for joining me. Um, again, this is a lot of fun to do. Um, I, 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 always get, I always get nervous that I'm going to run out of questions. This is my biggest, this is my, this is not my biggest fear. This is one of the fears that I have is that I say, you know, I'm going to do this podcast until I run out of questions. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this until I run out of questions or, you know, run out of questions. Um, and then I, I looked at my emails and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to run out of questions. And then I looked at it and I think I have like 150 questions to go from. So there's going to be plenty. There's going to be plenty. But um, but still, send in your questions. Send in your audio questions. Um, the audio questions I just like a lot more. I think um, I've gotten a lot of feedback and people have said they really like the audio questions. Um, anyways, enough, enough about me. Enough about me. Um so we're, we're, we're gearing up into uh, the IOCDF conference. So if you <clears throat> are going to be in California, uh, specifically around the San Francisco area sometime this summer, go over to the IOCDF conference. Um, if you would like to know more about OCD, if your family would like to know more about how to support you, encourage you, or just want to know more about what OCD is and why, how it works and why it's, why it's bugging you, um, the conference is going to be a great place not only to connect with other people who also experience OCD, who have this lived experience, um, but they're going to have support groups. They're going to have information. There's going to be a, a ton of ways to both get involved, to learn, um, and uh, and to really jumpstart your, your journey. If you've been on this journey for a long time, it's a great place to learn some of the newest things that we're talking about in uh, anxiety and OCD land different ways that we're approaching it, thinking about it, conceptualizing OCD treatment. Um, the, 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 the frustrating part, I suppose, about mental health is, is that we are working and doing research and trying to figure out the best possible ways to help treat these various conditions. Mental health treatment has come light years 
gosh, just even in the past, I mean, certainly within the past hundred years, but, you know, things change and develop and we're always constantly trying to learn new things. And that's what the conferences are about, is to be a place to share ideas and to kind of hone in on what's going to be most effective to treat it. So um, aside from that, um, the conference is just a, a, a lot of fun. You get to see a whole bunch of people and um, sometimes you're going to see people that you only see at the conference. So either way, it's going to be it's in San Francisco this year. It's going to be elsewhere next year. I don't know where it is. I'm sure it says on the, on the IOCDF website. But go, check it out. I'll be there if you see me. Uh, high five me, shake my hand, or just wave at me awkwardly from across the way because I'll probably do the same thing. Um, and um, that is how that will go. So let's just jump into this. This question is a little bit a little bit long. It's two parts, so I'm going to kind of go over them. You know, I'm going to split it up. I'll go over them separately. Uh, so this question comes from KJ. KJ? KJ. I don't know. KJ. Um, that's who it's from. But either way, um, we'll start these. I might edit them as I'm talking, but we'll just jump in into this. So KJ says, Hi, Kevin, it is a joy to listen to your podcast. I have two questions. Two, count on two. So first, as a sufferer of harm OCD for the past three and a half years, how do I find an OCD ERP therapist when I live in an area where we have few resources in this area? So they give a whole bunch of context to this. They say, um, I live in Hawaii. I've reached out. And by the way, I, 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 read, I really want to read this because in its, as much in its entirety because um, I, I just think this reflects a lot of people out there. Um, you know, I'm in Southern California. I'm in, you know, Los Angeles. I'm in Orange County. And, you know, Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, this area. We have a we You throw a rock and you can hit an OCD therapist. It's You can find them everywhere. But... For KJ, here's his experience. He says, I live in Hawaii. Um, and thoughts and prayers, man, it's, it must be hard. It must be hard. I mean, joking aside, Hawaii is a, a gorgeous. But here's the problem with living in Hawaii. Never heard of this actually a number of times. All right, back to his actual question. Um, I live in Hawaii. I've reached out to 53 psychologists so far for my health insurance or that my health insurance covers, and none of them are trained and or uh, available to help me through OCD. Going online, I've not been able to f uh, find uh, local help through the um, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, so that's the ADAA, um, the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies, um, or uh, Psychologies Today provi uh, uh, Provider Search. I see that the International OC Foundation has two resources, but the one suggested therapist wasn't accepting new patients when I, uh, when I saw him last, and the other resource was just a support group, which is still good, and I might look into that. So, first off, KJ, great, look into that. Um, it goes on to say, there was a local Hawaii provider website that I had been encouraged to look at, which um, uh, through which two therapist options popped up, but neither of them had been available to help me. Last time I checked, I've investigated no CD online. However, I can't afford the out-of-pocket per hour fee. Um, I've enjoyed the OCD Intensive Therapy app, which I'd never heard of, um, but the OCD Intensive Therapy app, as it offers instructions for do-it-yourself ERP therapy, but it still doesn't offer the personalized instruction and accountability of a live therapist. I've loved reading uh, Overcoming Unwanted Intrusive Thoughts by Winston and Sieve, as well as Overcoming Harm OCD by John Hirschfield, but still... I need to find a local therapist for myself. Podcast searches on the phone uh, or on my phone or OCD and uh, for 
for OCD and ERP, uh, have been almost the only thing that's been getting me through lately. As they remind me, I'm not alone, and they do offer some helpful guidance, including yours. What else can I do? So I'm going to tackle this one first, and then we'll get into the next one. So KJ, oh my gosh, it is tough. I was in, my family went to Hawaii somewhere in 2021, I think. I think 2021. And um, I looked up, I looked up at IOCDF what the resources were. And I too found, count them, two resources in Hawaii. It made me play for a week in my crazy man thought about moving to Hawaii. I'm like, I can move to Hawaii and I could get licensed in Hawaii. And then I could be a therapist in Hawaii and that would be fantastic. And I could work there and live there and, and um, still work with folks in California and Montana as I'm licensed there as well. It was this whole fantasy that played out in my head. And it was super fun. I talked to my, my wife, who's also a therapist. And said, we were going to move to Hawaii. And she's like, nah, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, long story short, we did not move to um, Hawaii. But... One thinks Hawaii is this, you know, it's it's a state. It's a big, stinking state. It's got a big um, population on the big island and various other ones, right? But it still is kind of a small community. Also think about, you know, some of the small communities in some of the other states. Think about some of the other countries around the world that don't have access to the, to the amount of, the ridiculous amount of therapists that there are in Southern California, right? So, I'm glad. So I wanted to read through all these resources that KJ had gone through because I, th- I think they went through and did did their due diligence to try to figure out the best places to go. So I, I love all of these suggestions. First off, the IOCDF does have a therapy finder or a therapist finder um, thing. Uh, you can put in your zip code uh, and it will pop up a bunch of therapists within a certain radius of you. Now this is, uh, I have this linked on my website at the end of the show when I talk about um, going to my website and click on the find help link. One of the links there is this exact uh, therapist finder uh, function on um, uh, through the IOCDF. So the uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, this is another place uh, that um, they do their conferences. They put out a lot of good information about, as you can guess it, anxiety and depression. Uh, their conference, as far as I know, is my understanding, it's a bit more geared toward um, therapists and, and other professionals, but they, I think they still have a registration of therapists and you can kind of find therapists who are interested and, and are going to be more inclined to want to treat anxiety and depression. So that's another good alternative. Um, so there, there are these various places. Psychology Today as a resource... It bugs me. It bugs me. I'm on it. I mean, every therapist is on it, but it bugs me because you go up there and you just click, you know, you find some therapist, you put your zip code in and all right, here's this person that's down the street from me. And they specialize in 175 different things, right? Sarcastically, I say, if they specialize in everything, they specialize in nothing, right? I, I think on mine, I think I only put like three things. I think I say like anxiety, OCD, and phobias or so, something like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I have treated and will work with other things, but as they relate to OCD, I know what I'm about. I know what I do. And, I, you know, it's a catch-all for people who, putting everything is a catch-all for people who don't know what they want to do. Um I don't want to be too judgy today, so I won't. But anyways, ther- uh, um, psychology today can be a little tough. So, so KJ, you've looked at books, you've looked for podcasts, and individual therapy can be really expensive. 
So what are some things that you can do? Well, aside from me again saying you are going down the right path, looking for podcasts, looking for books, um, trying to find a therapist. So one thing that I'll recommend is um, actually a couple things I'll recommend. So if therapy is too expensive and a therapy is expensive, it is, especially for out of pocket. I know a lot of therapists don't accept insurance. You can do this. You can call up call up therapists who say they specialize in anxiety and see if they have any interns or associates or I don't want to say trainees. You probably won't find any trainees um, or psych associates. Either way, you can find pre-licensed people who are still specialists in anxiety, who are still working, uh, who still will see you in person and do all the things a therapist does, but they are pre-licensed. In California, once you graduate uh, for for an MFT, I'm a marriage and family therapist. So this is um, I went through a master's program for my degree. So after your degree. So I have a master's degree in clinical psychology. Once you get that, then you have to accrue 3,000 hours of uh, therapy work. Now, that's a combination of individual therapy, group therapy, maybe some, um, you know, they've now said you can do kind of some research and stuff. There are other ways to accrue hours. But either way, you have to do 3,000 of these as a bare minimum to get licensed. And then you have to sit through a group god-awful test, uh, two god-awful tests to pass. Uh, and then once you do that, then you can get your license. Or get, get your license. And all that says is you've reached the bare minimum of what it means to be a therapist. Then you continue to grow. Anyways, finding a pre-licensed therapist is going to be cheaper. And you kind of get the benefit of getting that individual's experience and knowledge and interest and passion, as well as their supervisor's knowledge and interest and passion. I supervise two people right now. I've supervised a a number of other people in the past. Um, And we work together on cases. They'll come, we meet at least once a week, usually twice, maybe even three times. And we talk about cases. You know, they'll, they'll they'll bring it. They'll talk about things that are problematic. Um, they have questions about. They want to know other exposure ideas, and we kind of brainstorm, or I kind of guide them to different ideas. So we're working it out. So you're getting two people's experience talking about you and your case, and it's going to be cheaper, right? And someone is an associate or a psych intern, or they're pre-licensed up until the day before they, or up until the day they pass their test. So. Uh, there are fantastic um, uh, pre-licensed people out there. So you can look into those. Um, it, it, it can also be a good idea. Sometimes you can reach out to someone who specializes in just treating you know, general anxiety or just treating depression or, and does cognitive behavioral therapy. And sometimes you can ask them about this, throw it out there and say, hey, I know you don't specialize in treating OCD, but I'd love your opinion and guidance on this. Can we go through a book together and, you know, I'll read some, you read some. So you're going to kind of get some experience treating OCD, learning about it through this great book. Um, And maybe they'll charge less or maybe they'll charge nothing because the experience that they're going to be kind of getting their sea legs with you, as it were. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily the best idea and 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 there are going to be nuances and very weird circumstances that are going to call for that. But that's one option that you can do. Think outside of the box in terms of trying to find a therapist. Um, You know, find someone who, you know, knows what they're doing in terms of CBT, in terms of also someone you feel comfortable with. And 
see if you can work something out with them. So there, so we'll, we'll keep going through different options. So that may be one of the therapy options. Um, group therapy is also a great uh, thing to consider. Um, sometimes there are online or in-person groups. Sometimes there are um, I, I support groups. So those will not be generally not be limited by each state. So if you're in Hawaii or someone else where, where you are, you might be able to find someone who's running a support group online and they might be able to be international for, for, for all I know. So you can look into that. Maybe reaching out to some, you know, some folks in some Facebook groups might be a good idea. Okay. Another thing to consider would be another, a, a, it, I don't know how personalized it is. It's not as personalized, but still, um, there are some folks out there who are putting together online packaged sort of OCD and anxiety treatments. Um, two that really come to mind um, are going to be Nathan Peterson's program and also Kimberly Quinlan's program. Quinlan's program is, is I think it's called uh, your, your Anxiety or Your CBT Toolkit. I think that sounds right. Um, but either way, if you search both of them, either Nathan Peterson, who has a series of videos on YouTube, and they're all fantastic, uh, or you can reach out to uh, search Kimberly Quinlan. Uh, she has her podcast, and she's also fabulous. Both of those people have these programs. I think it is where you pay a flat fee, and you get access to all these different videos and resources and things, and maybe even have a chance to email them back and forth to get it be a little bit more customized. I don't know all the details, but those are two options that will be cheaper than regular old therapy. Um, and they're going to be really focused and really well put together. So I, I, I know these two folks, and they are uh, brilliant, brilliant therapists. So those are some two uh, good options. Um, let's see, as far as other options, you know, I'm sure I'll have some other suggestions here, but um, KJ, I hope that's a good place to start in just considering where where to find more help. Um, but keep pushing, don't give up on, on yourself and just trying to find somebody. Um, and also with information, well, I'll say this, there are going to be a lot of coaches out there, people who are unlicensed therapists or who are people who have had a lot of lived experience. Now, some of them can be really good and know what they're doing and are going to be helpful. Some of them might not be great. What I always encourage people to do is when they're when they're trying to evaluate what therapist to work with or what sort of group to work with, I'm, I want to look for consensus. This is also how I describe how we should how we should think about like what is real news and fake news, right? Is is this news story validated by a number of other reputable and mainstream sources? Similarly, with OCD treatment, is this person talking about things that are consistent with what other therapists are saying? You'll hear people say, you know, they can cure OCD, that they can get rid of OCD, that you'll be um, delivered from OCD, however the case may be. The average therapist is not putting forth that verbiage. They might say you can be helped from OCD, but cured is is problematic language, I think. And I've talked about this in the past. So in other words, when you're seeking out a therapist, as you read about them, learn about them and what they're saying, does it line up with other things that you've read? Um, and is it kind of consistent with their message and verbiage about what recovery looks like and what are some of the things that are going to be helpful towards recovery? Um, 
so it's something to be cautious about and uh, to be a, a good consumer of information. All right. So KJ, I'm, I'm going to leave that one there in the sake of time. And we're going to jump on to your next question. So let's get back to the question. He says, um, actually, I haven't even looked up the gender of this person. doesn't matter. I keep saying he. It's an assumption on my end. <laughs> I want to see if they've referenced it. It does not matter. Anyways, I'm going to, I'll say them or he or she. I'll just mix it up. All right, so, so KJ's question. Um, my second question is, does a religious upbringing, and they say thinking particularly of different denominations within Protestant evangelicalism, contribute to the development of OCD within that segment of Christianity? And what about other religions? So they give a little bit of background. They say, I was raised in a fundamentalist evangelical home in the 80s and 90s. Um, while my uh, childhood started out in Baptist and Nazarene churches, by my teenage years, I was part of Assemblies of God Church, um, and they were big into manifestations of spiritual gifts. In other words, quote, God told me was heard a lot. So I think this is what they're referring to is something called um, direct revelation. So it's, it's the idea that God speaks and sends messages directly to individuals as opposed to through um, specifically only through prophets or through the Bible or religious texts. So people can hear direct revelation and information, news, guidance from God. Anyways, um, every little thought or inkling carried with it potential significance. And to ignore it could be me walking away from the church, which would, uh, which would usher in uh, guilt, heaviness, etc. Of course, in no way could I, uh, could I connect harm OCD thoughts uh, as being from God because God is a God of love. Yet, it's the parallel of questioning uh, the significance. Uh, the significance of thoughts as a kid that I can see as having uh, laid the foundation for me to question as an adult if thoughts of any kind carry with them significance, which keeps me stuck in OCD loops in my mind. Uh, while today I would consider myself more of a, of a uh, what do they say here, a liberal respecter and worshiper of the Christian God and Jesus I grew up with, um, I have a lot of resistance in, uh, inside towards the powerful religious political entity the American evangelicalism has become come. Um, they say, nevertheless, I can't help but wonder if the hold OCD had on me through questioning any significance of these scary thoughts, um, uh, if it would be in a better, if it would be, or if I would be in a better position today, had I not put so much blind faith and trust in the well-meaning evangelical leaders of my youth who had shaped my worldview at that time? Thank you for your answer. So, all right, KJ, this is a re this is a really good question. So, um, and I appreciate a, a lot of that background. I've had these questions before from, from clients and other people I've talked to. Um, and some people do have this concern. Does, it, does a specific religion breed scrupulosity? Or does, a, does, it, uh, does it breed OCD or, or other mental health issues? So, um, the, the short answer is no, not one particular church or type of church or type of religious organization breeds religious scrupulosity. Um, uh, Alec Pollard, uh, is a, who's a, a, a fantastic therapist and clinician and researcher and speaker. Um, he, he talks about this. He has a saying, and I'm, I'm going to, boy, I'm going to probably mess it up. It, it's, it's something like, um, 
there there isn't there isn't a a religion out there that is that is completely full of scrupulous people meaning that there are some people within their church who are scrupulous but the vast majority of people within their religious group religious tradition are finding a way to make it work now he he goes on to say and i i, I really do believe in this that that every religion has their processes and their ways through it. So they, you know, it's not like, it's not that any particular church out there has, you know, you do this sin and you're, you're damned forever. And in other words, that there's no way out. There's no way of atonement. There's no way to rectify and, and get right again. Every religion has their process that the average person goes through. The average person trusts and gets out of their loop. OCD latches on to those, to those and says, it doesn't matter what the average person does, you need to do more, which is obviously a problem. So, that's one of the things that we would then work on in treatment. But to your question, would it contribute? Did, did, your, what is this, uh, did your religious upbringing contribute to the development of OCD? And would you be better off had you not put so much blind faith and well-meaning evangelical leaders. KJ, unfortunately, there's no way for us to know. This is one of those areas of speculation that is really just going to get you wrapped up in knots if you try to uh, do that mental compulsion of scenario twisting, meaning going back in time in your head, playing through various memories or thoughts and changing this or placing let you know in this interaction that you'd cast some you know you'd have you'd be a little bit more skeptical of what the pastor said um and you know in your mind you go ah see if i had just done this i'd, I'd be free and i'd be i wouldn't be as anxious and i i wouldn't have ocd and my life would be better and ah, if only would I, I would have done that it's a mental compulsion and, and ultimately speaking it's a waste of time we can't change our past you did the things that you did at the time for the reasons that you did them. I don't know why you did the things that you did. And I also don't necessarily know if the things that you did are inherently bad. It sounds like what you're talking about, that you you already have a history of OCD. So to blame your religion on, or you're blaming the religion on the development of scrupulosity, I think it's a little backwards, it's it's and by the way, this isn't to say that you didn't experience some uh, spiritual trauma. Um, that can absolutely happen. I've talked to folks who have who have OCD, and they are religious, and they have scrupulosity, and some of it is tied into some really funky stuff that they experienced and heard and were taught in their religious upbringing. So I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that the church is completely off the hook here, your particular church or churches or organizations are off the hook. But what I am going to say is, you already had a predisposition to having OCD. Your mind was wired in that sort of way. And then OCD can grab onto things that feel like they have this, you know, dire outcome. And what's more dire than going to hell? Someone out there is saying, my thing, and yes, it, your thing too, but it's, you get what I'm saying. It's, OCD wants to grab onto the thing that we care about the most, and it sounds like your faith as a young person mattered 
uh, uh, mattered of, uh, of utmost, of utmost importance to you. So, of course, it was going to latch on to that, right? And we say we put blind faith. That's kind of what kids do. Kids are blind faith. Children kind of do that. They are taught something and they go, yeah, I guess you're right. It is only once we become adults that we start to see the gray areas in things and we start to think about our faith in a more mature way that, gosh, it, 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 it's, it, it's gray, right? It's not as clear and as beautiful as it being black and white, right? Um, that's the power of an adult brain is that we sometimes see that within good things, there can be bad things or within, you know, within, um, you know, something difficult, there's something good. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. There can be um, nuance to faith and there is nuance to faith, which is wonderful in some context, but yeah, if you've grown up, and that can be jarring for someone when they have this, you know, very perhaps rigid faith and very, um, uh, uh, st- I want to say steadfast, but that sounds too positive. Um, you know, it's, it's a, I'll say, I'll say brittle. It's really solid, but if it's pushed on a little bit, it cracks, right? So, as we get older, hopefully we do develop this, el- this element of psychological flexibility, meaning that, and that's ultimately, I'm using that term, I'm pulling it from acceptance and commitment therapy, from ACT. That's the ultimate goal of ACT, is develop psychological flexibility, meaning that whatever thoughts we have, feelings, experiences, etc., that we hold them lightly, and that when it's pushed on, rather than it breaking us, we take the information and we sit, and we wait, and we think, and we grow. We don't just grab onto something, and that's everything. Or we don't hear one thing, and it completely nullifies everything. Is that things take time, and we let it sit. And some things feel a little weird and wonky in doing so. And we learn to get through that, learn to live through that cycle to get to the other end of it. And that's hopefully what some people out there are working on doing, Especially when I, I want to say, especially when it comes to faith, I've I have a particular interest in religious scrupulosity. I want people to have thriving, wonderful faith uh, lives, in no matter what background you have. And I know what OCD can do to it in grabbing onto it and twisting it into this thing that it shouldn't be. So, could. Or does religious upbringing contribute to the development of OCD within that segment? So Protestant Christianity. I'm going to say no as a as a, a no with an asterisk, right? No, it doesn't. But some churches can can be abusive and can put out information that really can supercharge the mind of someone who is. Uh, uh, predisposed to having black and white thinking, to having all or nothing perspectives, to having or to be prone to going to the extremes and having tunnel vision and, um, and having excessive amounts of guilt and hyper-responsibility. So it can, especially if people aren't being taught a, a, a balanced mindset of the other parts. Uh, and also, I'll speak to Protestant Christianity or Protestant evangelicalism, the parts of grace and forgiveness and compassion because we're human and we mess up, right? That's the other part, right? As, as I previously mentioned, no one religion is just full of scrupulous people. 
there's a way out. If Protestant Christianity is saying, hey, if you mess up, you're, you're hosed, well, it's, for, it's forgetting or ignoring or, or minimizing that part of it that talks about grace and compassion and forgiveness. So, balance is important in this. And that's that, some of the stuff that we do in therapy is talk about how do we start to expand on this, this very focused and perhaps distorted view that you have about, about faith or your faith or the way that faith is supposed to be done. How do other people do it? How do the vast majority of people within your faith tradition do this? And is there a way to incorporate some of that into your life as opposed to following through this one that is distorted and exaggerated and minimized and, and magnified, etc.? So, all right. I hope that answers your question, uh, KJ. So, um, we kind of went all over the place, but man, I love these kind of questions because even within answering one person's question, they're interested in two different things. So, I hope that was helpful to anybody else out there who's listening to this. All right. Um, I think that's about enough of that. Um, if there's something that I missed, if there are other resources that you, other listeners, have, message me. Send me a message over at um, Instagram. Send me a message over at Fearcast Podcast. Um, and I'll tack them on to uh, the next episode to talk about more resources. If you have resources that you like, I want to put them up on the website so other people can find them. Um, I may just get registered in, in Hawaii. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right, let's slide that um, that music here in. So uh, thank you again, everybody, for uh, hanging out with me on this podcast. Um, I really enjoy doing this, and I'm really enjoying seeing this, seeing these types of questions and um, I, I seeing how, how it is that I can hopefully point people in a direction that would, that would be helpful. So if, again, if you have questions, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, submit a question link there, go to uh, Instagram, I'm fearcastpodcast over there, uh, message me, send me a, you can send me a text question over there as well, and I'll be happy to uh, throw them up on a future episode. Um, if you need a little bit of help, please remember that the Fearcast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the find help link. And there's going to be some information for you there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye. Bye.